You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. You have your Bible, turn with me, whether your Bible's an electronic device or if you're like me in old school, I still carry a leather-bound book. But if you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalms 18. Psalm 18. And I'm going to read the second verse. I'm going to skip the King James, and I'm going to go over and read in the Amplified. Here's how it says. The Lord is. (laughs) We can stop right there. The Lord is. Aren't you glad that God exists? Because the confirmation that God is, is the summation of everything we need to know in God. The fact that there is a God that exists, who is the creator of all things, who has breathed his life into your lungs. And if you have met him as Lord and Savior, he has breathed spiritual life into your lungs, and you will live eternally because of the relationship that you have with him. And if we're going to start a message today about about security, this is a great place to start. The Lord is my rock. Now, that rock represents not like we're thinking a rock that you find on the parking lot. This is talking about a boulder, all right? So the Lord is a place to fasten down to. The Lord is a stable place that cannot be moved. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. Now think about that for just a moment. God is your fortress. He has you hemmed in. Nothing can come at you when you're hemmed in in God. And if we understand who he is and that he is, and that he's stable, and that he has us surrounded, then this next statement's going to make all the sense in the world. He, the Lord, is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Mm. In other words, whatever comes, he'll fight the battle for you. Oh, come on. I could run around the room right now, but the camera couldn't follow me. (laughs) Look at this. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Oh, I love this next line. My God. He's my God. It's personal. The songwriter made it personal. This is a psalm of David. David was the first one in the word... uh, I shouldn't say he's the first one because Abraham knew him, Moses knew him, but David, he knew 
the Lord. He didn't just he, he he didn't just allude to the Lord like everybody else. He had a personal relationship with him, even as a young boy tending sheep. He knew his God, and he knew him as a rock and a fortress and a deliverer. These are the words of David. David understood his God, and I love the next line. My God, my keen or my strength and firm strength in whom I will trust. In other words, my God, I can trust because he has a strength beyond any other way to measure strength. He is a refuge. Look at this. Uh, My keen and firm strength in whom I will trust and take refuge. In other words, even when I'm beat up, worn out, torn to shreds, in him I can rest. When the world comes at me in a thousand directions, I know that God will stand up and fight for me. And if I get wounded in a battle of any kind, he is my refuge. If I'm hungry, he is my bread. If I'm thirsty, he is my water of life. If if I need healing, he'll come by with the shadow of his wings and I can reach up into his healing virtue and reach into what I need and pull from him what I need because he is I am. It's the name, the covenant name that he gave to us when he, when Moses found him in the desert. For so long, no one knew his name. And Moses was dared to be bold enough in the presence of God at the burning bush to ask him his name. And he says, I am that I am. And why did he use that? Why did he not give him Jehovah or Yahweh or the other names that we have called God? Well, here's the reason why. Because I am covers everything. What do you need? Because I am that. And so that is why why, uh, uh, Moses uh, walked away with such a surety from that meeting. But now we're hearing the words of David. He's my shield. He's the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Let it be trumpeted. He is the horn, the horn of anointing. He's the place we keep the anointing oil. The kingly anointing that pours out upon us comes from the king, the king of peace, the prince of peace, the king of the earth, the king of majesty, the king of all kings, the man of all mans. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is before David knew of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just knew there was a promise of a mighty deliverer in God. Look at this. Look at this. He is the horn of my salvation and my high tower, a place the enemy cannot get to. Mm, he'll take me to such heights the enemy can't get there, and my perspective changes because I'm standing atop of his goodness. And when I'm standing in his safety, when I'm standing in his refuge, when I'm standing on the top of his promise, 
they're at the pinnacle of that place. When I look across the scope uh, of my situation, I can see a much clearer picture of the deliverance and the power and the purposes and the plans of God as I'm standing in a place that the enemy cannot get. Mm. Oftentimes when I slip off in prayer and I'm praying, that's when I get on top of that high place. It's there that God begins to show me things that I could not know, would not have known, hadn't seen before. It's on top of that place that, that all of the things of life that don't make sense and that are confusing suddenly begin to make sense. Now all we've done is read the scripture. I ain't even got to the message yet. <laughs> oh, I want to bring some comfort, and I want to bring some hope this morning. I'm going to have to open this. Excuse me. I want to bring some comfort, and I want to bring uh, some understanding today for the right now moment that we are in. For we serve a Kairos God, a God that's in the right now moment. And so I want you... Uh, to go with me now uh, into a message that I hope will bring some hope and some peace to you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out some negative things up front. Don't get hooked on the negative things. Listen for the positive that's going to come out of what I've got to say. Today's message is finding stability in an unstable world. How do we find stability in an unstable world? world. Well, first of all, the word stability means being stable. <laughs> that's, that's pretty self-evident. It means unmovable and fixed in place, an unshakable resolve. Let that settle for just a moment. Stability is being stable, unmovable, fixed in place, unshakable in your resolve. I think most of you would agree with me if I was to tell you right now that our world is unstable. Not just, not just certain nations. We've always heard of certain nations that had an instability. But I've never known in my lifetime the whole world to be affected all at the same time. And we are in a position now where the world seems unstable. And when the world seems unstable and reeling and rocking, it causes great fear. Great fear. And the enemy of our life is whispering into the atmosphere, especially to those who do not know him, to be afraid, to panic, to run, to, to lose all sensibility. He's trying to scare the world to death. Men's hearts failing for fear. You've heard that, you've heard that uh, scenario. We'll get to that. And, and so he's trying his best to shake the world up. Never has there been such a moment in time, in my lifetime, for the church to arise and shine. We are in that moment I've got a couple people in the room, and I keep forgetting to look at them. I keep preaching to you. <laughs> I want them to know that I want them to be a part of this message, too. Never have we been in such a place where the church of Jesus Christ could arise 
to the occasion. The problem is, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Matthew, the 25th chapter, right after the 24th chapter, when Jesus is telling his disciples what the end shall look like, he goes into teaching mode and begins to share parables, and one of those was with five wise virgins and five foolish. It is a separation between the Jew and the Gentile. It is a separation between uh, the, the believer and the non-believer. It is a separation between the, the uh, church of the Mosaic law and the church of the Messianic promise. All of those apply. And we're living in the age where that applies to us in this way. In the beginning, the five foolish, they lost the right to evangelize the world. That was the Judeo church. Okay, that was the, Judy, the Judy, Judaism. But in Christ, the Gentile became tagged to carry the message of the church to the whole known world. But today, the way that applies to us, and the word is like a diamond, no matter how you turn it, it takes on a different hue. It never changes its meaning or its original intent, but it can have many different hues. And the, what that means for us today is that there's a church that is, that is strong and bold and coming forward, and then there's a church that's falling away, losing its place with God. And so what we need to understand as the body of Christ, as the remnant of believers, is you can separate very quickly today who's wise and who is foolish. And I'm not trying to be ugly. But the foolish are lining up with all of the fear tactics that are coming down the pike. And every negative report, they're jumping on it and they're running scared. But the wise are going how do we help the world? How do we help our neighbor? How do we keep them from panicking and causing their heart to fail in fear? What can we do to make an everlasting difference so that these people without oil will not fail, but will be able to help them find their way to the married supper of the Lamb? So, Church, we have a responsibility to be the stability in an unstable world. We've already defined stability as being stable, unmovable, fixed in place, unshakable in our resolve. Our world is unstable. If you're watching the news, you know our world is unstable. And even if it's not unstable, they will stay on a story and grind it until it feels as if the whole world is falling apart. Uh, if you're on social media, you know the world is unstable. You can't post anything, but someone doesn't have a contrary opinion and wants to attack you, especially if you stand up for something that's moral and right and, and in right standing with God's law, God's word. Next uh, is our economy. It's shaky. It's shaky all around the world. Some of it is because of the current situation that we're in. And, and at any given time, there have been nations that have been, had to be bailed out and just went bankrupt. And, and, and globally, that's been a prediction about the world. But I know a God who supersedes the natural and can do things. And even if things did fall apart, we have a God that can keep us in the middle of it all. 
Natural disasters have never been known like they are today. They're happening in rapid succession. It used to be occasionally you'd hear of an earthquake. Occasionally you would hear of a, of, of a hurricane or a tsunami. Occasionally you would hear of a storm or a tornado or this or that. Now it's happening in, in, in rapid succession, just in diverse places is what the word says. We know that, that worldwide there's catastrophe. There's things happening that now don't just happen in a nation or a local region. They're happening around the world. There's rising crime. And I, I just want you to know that God hasn't lost sight of any of it. In fact, he warned us about it before it happened. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, that in the end there will be perilous times. I'm not going to go there and read all that scripture. You can certainly go back and read it yourself. But the definition of perilous means full of danger and risk. Full of danger and risk. America is still seemingly a pretty safe place to live. But there are moments when you leave your house that you're taking your life in your own hands. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. With crime on the rise, you never know when someone around you might have ill intent. You never know. And so the word makes it very, very clear. It's going to be risky for the world in the end of days. But it doesn't mean it's risky for the church because the church, remember, have a fortress, a high tower, a rock. His name is Jesus. We have the Lord God Almighty. We have God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the God, the only God, and with our trust in him, there is nothing that can take us out of the game before God is ready for us to graduate to him. And God has got great things in store. So the Bible says in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, perilous times in the end, times of hardship, times of great fear, times of chaos, times of instability, a time of false accusers, a time of disobedient children and people, a people who are unteachable, always learning, but never, ever getting it. It's a loveless generation. They're cold and they're indifferent. They don't know how to communicate one with another. Confusion and unnatural affection is filling not only America, our world. Everywhere you go, everywhere you are, there are all kinds of sins now that the Bible calls sins that are being touted as freedoms and rights. It says that that generation will be prideful and heady and high-minded. They'll be traitors and unloyal and despisers of those who are good. They will despise people who want to live right. They will despise people who tell them what's right. They don't want to hear it. And my wife and I was having a conversation on the way in this morning that in Romans, the first chapter, it says that they're, gonna, they're going to listen to the lie long enough and choose the lie long enough that God will one day just say, okay, well, then just have the lie. 
don't, don't receive the truth, just live the lie. The Bible says it will be a maddening time, an all-out assault on anything peaceful or good. I'm going to say that one more time. It says it will be a maddening time, an all-out assault on anything peaceful or good. Luke 21 says men's hearts will fail from fear. What does that mean? It means everything in them will melt like wax, and they'll be given to a spirit of fear. They will have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, all these things. Now, if you've been through that, I'm not saying, I'm not making light of that. What I'm saying is there's an agenda behind it. The enemy is trying to take you apart, and you have the strength in God to overcome anything that comes at you. They will be a people of evil intent. And they will grow more and more wicked in their desires and their schemes, inventing ways to become more and more evil, more and more controlling of society, demanding that all bow to their agenda. How do we navigate times like these and keep our sanity? That is a good question. I'm going to let that hang in the air for just one second. How do we navigate times like these and keep our insanity? Think about that for just a second. Mm. Isaiah 33.6 says that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. Now, that's not talking just solely about the wisdom of the world or the knowledge of the world. It's not talking about quantum physics. It's not talking about being able to solve great mathematical equations. It's talking about finding the source of wisdom and true knowledge. Now, who has greater wisdom or knowledge than the one who created it all? We often want to follow the wisdom of man, and man is wise. God created us to be wise. God created us for discovery. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge shall increase. We've never been in such an information age as we live right now. At the turn of the last century, back in the 1900s, that was the beginning of the increase of knowledge. And things began to come in what they felt was a blinding speed. By the time I was born, I hate to say this, in the 60s, we already had air conditioning, television, cars, uh, you name it. We had all of those luxuries that we know today. Since that time, I have watched us put a man on the moon. I have watched us uh, to frequently traveling into outer space. I have seen us do amazing feats, and man is growing in his knowledge. The problem is, is man wants to grow in knowledge and put all of his trust in the knowledge of man instead of understanding that the knowledge that you operate in was given and allowed by God himself. And the beginning of wisdom is in God. Matthew, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse, lets us know that 
Jesus said that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Jesus knew where to find real wisdom. He found it in God. The beginning of wisdom is fear of God, according to the Scripture. The beginning of wisdom is the fear slash awe, A-W-E. That means reverence of God. If you're going to be smart and you're going to arise to the place of biblical wisdom and the wisdom of stability, you will find it by putting your trust in a God who knows what you do not know, who understands what you do not understand, who can see what you cannot see, and who has an answer, though you can't find it, he has an answer for the most perplexing thing in your life. And he is a God that nothing escapes his attention. I'm hoping this is helping you. For the word of God is the wisdom of God. Anything, according to Jesus, that comes from the mouth of the Father is wisdom. Think about it. He can't be anything else. God's never done a foolish thing ever. Everything God's ever done has been calculated to the point that now, as we study the Word, we're finding out that there's codes in the Word. We're finding out in archaeological digs that, that God had given men of old great technologies that we didn't know anything about until we go back into ancient discovery. God has always been the God of wisdom, and those who knew Him knew the wisdom of God. And how do we get the wisdom of God? by reading and hearing the word that produces hope. This is a very important word and a word I want you to grab a hold of today. Hope. Hope. Hope is the building blocks of faith. Hope is the building blocks of faith. Everybody can quote Hebrews 11.1, 1, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Now is faith. Faith is of God. And that faith is the faith for things that we hope for. So hope is a building block of faith. Hope is expectation that fuels desire and a feeling of trust. Hope is expectation that fuels desire and a feeling of trust. Faith comes when we hear God's good news. God's word gives us a feeling of trust and a desired expectation. I'm trying to help you find stability. Look at this. Faith in God and faith in his word brings stability to the soul because it brings hope into the soul. It brings hope into the mind, the will, and the emotions. 
Your spirit man is fine. It is your soul that you wrestle with in times of instability. It is your emotions. It is your mind. They become an enemy whenever fear is released. And you have to rise up and grab it with both hands and bring it into the submission of what you know. The word's very clear that we have to control our mind with the word. We have to control our our emotions with what we know to be the truth of God's word. Faith comes when we hear God's good news. And once again, I'm going to just repeat it. God's word gives us a feeling of trust. God's word gives us a feeling of trust. God's word gives us a feeling of of trust. Faith in God and faith in his word brings stability to the soul. What can be more secure than to know that God is, that he exists, and that he cares? Think about that. We're thinking that we're lost in this world, we're all alone because the feelings of isolation come to us because the enemy wants to isolate us. That's how a lion hunts. The devil's not a lion, but he roams around like one. He thinks he's bigger than than life. He thinks he's all that. The truth is he's nothing more than a mouse with a megaphone. But he runs around making his words sound so big that when your mind and your emotions pick it up in the atmosphere, suddenly we have a battle on our hands. And the devil cannot beat you in any direction if you know him as if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior the enemy cannot I repeat cannot beat you in any direction unless he talks you into receiving what he is selling if he is selling doubt he'll 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 package it up and the moment you receive the goods it becomes your doubt. If he's trying to sell you fear, he'll package that up and try to get you to grab it because the emotions reach out and grab fear very, very quickly. It's an emotion. And it reaches out and it grabs it. And if he can sell it in such a way that you grab it, it becomes yours. Now you got a battle on your hands. But but, but I want to share something with you. Our enemy is a created being being like you and I. He's created. He's not this all-powerful thing and creature and entity that he wants you to believe that he is. He has the power of deception and the power to lie. And if he can lie and convince you to grab what he is selling, he wins. He'll get you. He'll captivate you. He'll overtake you. And if you believe it long enough and practice it long enough, he'll possess you. I'm not trying to cause fear. I'm trying to help you. I want you to see this plain and clear. Our creator God and God alone can bring or release to you stability in times of uncertainty. The enemy is selling it all around us. The world's wisdom is, oh, hide, run for the mountains, you know, protect yourself. Uh, self-preservation becomes 
the scatter that goes on in the minds of men whenever something goes wrong. Yell fire in a building and see how many people start to self-preserve. They don't think about rescuing somebody else. They're trying to save themselves. But God has given us a stability that when we hear fire, we look, first of all, out of wisdom for the first place to exit, and we look who we can grab to bring with us. Why? Because we're different. We're cut from a different mold. We're not all about self-preservation. We're about trust in God. We're about trusting his word. We're about hope because we understand that whatever we desire, whatever we set our hope on, God can answer it because we have faith and trust in the God of the answer. So look at this. Keeping your focus on God and his word will eclipse the uncertainty of the world around you. I got to say that again. Keeping your focus on God will eclipse the instability of the world around you. If we can focus on God, keep our focus on Him, keep our focus in Him, we win. The devil loses. Why? Because the problem doesn't seem so big. It's when the problem gets in, in the center of our view and the problem passes before our understanding of our God. Like a solar eclipse, when the moon passes before the sun, it blocks out its light and its rays. And you know in your mind the sun is still there, but you can't see it because all you can see is the darkness that has covered the sun. And this is what the enemy wants to do with you in your mental and emotional capabilities. He wants the problems of this world to overshadow the promises in this world from our God. If he can get you caught up in the momentary chaos that he is creating, you forget that there is a God that is higher and far above any trash that the enemy can bring to you. You forget that this situation soon will pass and your God will shine again. You forget that in this moment there is coming a moment of deliverance. And when you're in this place and in this moment, your heart begins to fail. Your emotions begin to fail. When it talks about heart, it means the soul of man begins to fail, begins to fall apart. And there literally can be fear to the point that a person can suffer cardiac arrest. It really does happen. What I want you to understand is sometimes we can be so influenced by the trouble around us and grab it with our mind and grab it with our, uh, with our emotions until it causes us physically to fail. But I want you to understand today that that does not have to happen to you, not now, not ever, 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 that God has this lock, stock, and barrel from beginning to end. We know that men's hearts fail only in the uncertainty of a wrong focus. Seeing only the problem unravels all stability. If all I can see is the problem, I become unraveled. 
unwound, unwinding, a feeling of insecurity. Everything just becomes hard to navigate, hard to understand, hard to get through, hard to get up in the morning, hard to get through the day. Go to bed in fear of what the next day will bring. And you lay your head on the pillow at night in fear and dread instead of laying your head on the pillow at night with your trust in your God, with the understanding that he is, he exists, and he has my best interest. He is my guard. He is my my savior. He's the one that fights for me, and he exalts me to high places so that I can see above the circumstances that are going on in my life. Mm. So if we get in that situation where the problem uh, is unraveling all of our instability and unwinding all the feeling of security or safety. Understand this, that emotions unchecked by God's realm of reality leave one emotionally vulnerable and unstable. I'll say that again. Emotions unchecked by God's realm of reality leaves one emotionally vulnerable and unstable. Emotions unchecked are like a doubt-fueled hurricane of worry, fear, anxiety, mental and emotional frenzy. All rationale will get lost in the gust of uneasiness. But a mind focused on God and his promise can know stability through peace, hope, and faith. God has this in control, and he will take care of us. You are not forgotten. You have not been lost or thrown to the wayside. God has had you in the center of his focus from the moment you arose. From the moment you took your first breath of life. In fact, the word tells us, that before you were, even in your mother's womb, I knew you. You have never been out of God's focus. I don't always understand every circumstance that comes down my pathway. I don't always understand everything that's going on around me in my life. But I have one thing that keeps me stable, and that is knowing that he is. And I have the wisdom enough to understand that this God that I awe, this God who's so powerful that with the blast of his nostrils can open up the Red Sea, this God who put the starry constellations into the heavenlies, this God who keeps the planets moving and they don't collide with one another, this God who's kept the world traveling the way that it's traveling out in outer space all this time. This God who's so intricately involved in this world that he makes sure that the grass comes up in its season, that he makes sure the corn grows in its season, that he makes sure the birds can fly and that the uh, the sparrow, when it falls, never leaves his, uh, his knowledge or his notice. And he's created you with his image. And if God's got his eye on anything in this world, it is upon those of us who carry his image. You are the crown jewel of God's creation. 
You are the apex of everything God intended in the world. God wants us to bring what is in heaven to earth. We know that got thwarted by the first man, Adam, but by the second man, Adam, Christ Jesus. He restored to us the ability to navigate a world of instability and to be the stable thing the world can run to because we have our focus and our wisdom in the right place. Austin, if you would come. I have one instruction that I want to leave. I want to say this to the men who are watching, to the husbands who are watching. If you're single, this still applies to you. If you're a single woman, this applies to you. If your husband's a non-believer, this applies to you. Husbands, men, your home needs a leader right now. Your home needs a leader. If somebody doesn't arise in your home and show stability, it will cause instability to run rampant in your home. It leaves your wife and your children in a vulnerable place to try to navigate a world that seemingly is unstable. In a time of chaos, that's the time we put our trust in God. And our families are waiting for us to lead the way. They're waiting for us to show that there is no reason to worry. There's no reason to fear. We'll do what's safe, we'll do what's right, but as a family, as for me and my house, we're gonna find the source of true wisdom, which is faith in God. What else do you anchor to in a world? Think about this. What else can you truly anchor to in this world if you don't believe there's a creator and he's in control? What do you anchor to? There is nothing. You can't trust man. We lie. We cheat. We steal. You can't trust mankind because someone's always trying to be the leader at the top of the stack. Somebody always wants all the money or the power. So you cannot trust society. I don't mean go around with an evil intent or evil eye about everything that you see. But what I want you to understand today, above all things, men, your family needs a leader right now. If you're a single mother, your children need a leader right now. If you're just a single person by yourself, you need to be the leader right now of your life. Stand up. Every one of us must have this same relationship with Christ. And when I give this instruction to you men, I want you to understand, lead your children to that wisdom in God. Lead them to understand 
that victory is in the stability of having faith in God. The only thing stable in all of the creation of God is God. To my singles, I say, become a person of self-discipline. Discipline yourself in the counsel of God's Word. Family, follow the leader. As he leads into Christ, you press into Christ. And to everyone, I say this, develop a real relationship with God. Through this hope-filled word, through prayer. And don't just have prayer that's one way. You need to develop prayer and stay in prayer until it becomes a two-way conversation. When you speak to God and God speaks back to your heart. You say, how do you do that? You have to have an intimate relationship. It means you have to truly know him. You have to know him in the fullness of who he is. You have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have relationship with him. That's the beginning of wisdom. It's knowing him and knowing who he is. So I want to end today this way. I want to end right now in prayer. And I want to invite you to become the most stable you you've ever been. How do we do that? By putting our trust in God. Having a reverential fear of who He is. Being in awe of this great Creator Living a life that, how do I want to say, um, complies with, grows up in, is challenged by his desire and his intent for you in this life. If we understand, as Psalms 18 and, and 2 has told us, that God is the stability of all things. He is the refuge of this life. He is the strength that I so desperately need. And understand this. If you anchor to Him, you'll get through this chaos. And you'll get through whatever other chaos develops in the world around you. There's nothing you cannot do in Christ. If you never asked Jesus into your heart, this is your opportunity. If you've never made a commitment that says, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to lay it all on the line and I'm not going to reserve sinful practice and attach your name to it, I'm going to come to you and say, today it all ends. Today it all changes. Today, Lord, I'm going to get serious with you. Today I'm going to lay down fear and exchange it for wisdom. Today I'm going to lay it all down, all the instability, and grab a hold of your stability because you are the rock, the place to build on.
If you want to pray that prayer, then pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I come to you, the Lord of all creation. I understand that you created it all and you have the power over all of the world because the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And although the enemy has fallen into our society and twisted the minds of men and caused men to be rebellious, you've not lost control. I'm asking you, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me forevermore. Make me a servant of the Most High God. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and give me an all-out sellout. I don't want to go back to the way I've been living. I don't want to go back to the fears of yesterday. I don't want to go back and go on living and perpetrating a lie. I want a clean slate today, God. And I'm asking Jesus, come. Pray this with me right now. Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my sinful practice. I will never again live without you. For all the days of my life, on this earth, I am yours until I see you face to face. Change my heart, change my mind, change my emotions, and help me to grow in you. I will make myself stable in you in this crazy world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this today. If you would like to help Passion Church, obviously you know that this is a time when churches aren't doing as well as they could be. And if you'd like to give, you can do so. i got it up here on the screen. By going to givetopassion.com, givetopassion.com. And that's all we got to say about that. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.